When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! You don't like that? You don't like NBA basketball! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of All That, brought to you by OTS. I'm your host, Natalie, but most people call me Nat, as you all know. And I'm here today with my soon-to-be co-host. Um, going forward, we still haven't like fully told y'all what's what's coming up for us, but Justin and I are going to be working together going forward. So just want to start getting you guys used to it, as we mentioned in the last episode. So I'm here with Justin Grant, one of my faves, um, my Golden Spaces co-host and someone who knows who, like just one of the best basketball minds. So he's here today to help me break down and preview um, the 2022-2023 um, NBA season. And so we're going to do this in two parts. Um, so welcome, Justin, to the show. Thank you for always having me. And, you know, you won't have to welcome me pretty I soon. We'll just, be, <laughs> we'll just be together. But I know. I know. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Um, yeah, I'm super excited. And I'm super excited to, like, let you guys fully know what's happening we're just not there yet so um but yeah we want to like you know do a season preview so first part part one we're going to just focus on like the dubs and there's a lot to talk about with the warriors so we're going to start with them and then we'll take a look around this the, the rest of the um nba for part two so let's get into it justin let's do it um so since we last recorded, Justin, we spent a lot of time talking about the Draymond Green and Jordan Poole incident. And at the time, I think when we recorded, it was so it was really funny. We recorded this whole nice little episode dedicated to Jordan Poole. And we had his trainer, trainer Mark Edwards on with us. And we like did it, completed it, it was like ready to go. And you guys are going to all get it when you like, you know your downloads, and then like maybe a couple of hours after we recorded, the news broke about Dre and Poole. So Justin got, we didn't release that episode as is. Justin and I got back together 
and we recorded like, you know, like 30 minutes or so to kind of discuss the Dre and Pool incident. And we gave our thoughts on that. And we did that without knowing that the video was going to be released because we put it out. We did finally put out the episode and then the video had released of the fight. So we haven't talked since that time and a lot has happened. Um, The video came out. There was lots of drama. Draymond stepped away from the team. We heard now that Draymond's going to be returning to the team. No formal suspension for him, just a fine. Um, And there's just been a lot. There's been a lot of talk and a lot of conversation around that. So I think before we just sort of get into the Warriors season, I think we got to like kind of start there and, and address like what's happened and what this does mean for the Warriors going into the season. So that's my little recap now, Justin. I want to know like, what have been your thoughts on everything that's transpired this to to this point? Um, well, first and foremost, is disappointing. Um, I think we all can agree that we feel basketball wise that the Warriors are at the very least a top two, top three team in the league. Um, they should be the early favorites to win the championship and repeat. Um like I said, on paper, basketball-wise, they've, they've obviously have completed the task last year. So you know that they have the championship pedigree. Um, I mean, obviously, they have three titles before that. But you know that the guys outside of the main core um, are good enough and can elevate their game to get the job done. Um, they're returning their top six of what Steve Kerr calls the foundation of six. Um, and then they've added two good bets and obviously they're bringing along the rooks uh not the rooks but the young players and bringing wise back and they're showing promise and stuff like that so um as we discussed and as i said on the previous pod with mark just going into the season i expect or expected them to kind of like breeze through the season where they're getting 60 wins easily they're not necessarily being challenged in the playoffs depending on the matchup it should have been like, all right, 2016 repeated again. Not quite as many wins in the regular season, but also they actually complete the job in the playoffs and just kind of breeze through everybody. Now that's kind of potentially compromised. So it's really disappointing to see that because, um, you know, the Warriors up to this point have been an organization that has, you know, exuded class and, you know, there's been incidents here and there just like there is with every other franchise but you never really think about something like this happening to them especially in the midst of another dynastic run so that's just the main thought going into the season at this point is just like man it's kind of frustrating they should just been set to destroy everybody but now we got to wait and see what actually happens on the court yeah I think disappointment is definitely um a good word right like I've kind of like my emotions have ranged definitely disappointment it was one of the feelings frustration annoyance (laughs) um I for sure was like mad at times you know angry I just um you know and also concerned concerned about Jordan you know um I, I haven't been fond of the people who have like tried to make light of this and um oh it's just two men, two men and 
one, I think that just perpetuates really negative stereotypes, but also like, I don't know. I just feel like, and I get it, like people are going to always say it's different and I understand, but like if we can have empathy and understand when like a woman experiences violence, I don't understand why <laughs> when a man gets punched in the face that we're just, just like, oh, well, he's just like a man. Like, it's like, no, <laughs> it's not okay, period. Um, and, and not only that, but like, because men and you're a man, I'm not. So you can maybe speak more to this than, than I can, but because men sort of have like these rules and things that you guys go by, right? Like there are things that Jordan may go through and experience that I'm going to say, like, it's not right. And he shouldn't, but like, and you might say the same thing, but you also know as like a man, like certain things are just going to happen. Like players might use it against him. Like we don't know all the things they say to each other on the court, right? Like we can't hear that. People talk a lot of shit and say a lot of things. And like people might say some like wild stuff to him because of that. We see it just right now already on Twitter. Like anything that gets posted, they they post a video of like him getting, you know, punched or they make a comment about Dre. And so I just, I don't like Dre is going to be returning and they're, the Warriors are going to try to get back to business as usual, but I just don't think it's going to be as easy and seamless as everyone thinks. And maybe I'm just being someone who's worried, but I I don't think it's going to quite be what people think it is. Yeah, that's, that's totally fair. Um, you, you definitely know it's going to be brought up throughout the course of the season, maybe potentially at varying points throughout the rest of his career. Um, you know, people still bring up, or they used to bring up like Chris Childs punching Kobe, like just little stuff like that. Um, and then, like you said, just men, you typically take pride in like the, you know, like competition and just it's everything's always a competition. That's kind of like something that is embedded in masculinity um, just trying to have one up over the next guy, whether it be in sport, whether it be in a fight, whether it be in just um, social settings or something like that. So this is definitely something that could negatively impact Jordan in that in that realm um, on and off the court. You know, fans are going to bring it up um, and and somebody like Jordan, who has a lot of confidence in his game and, and in himself, you know, he's a very prideful guy. So it's almost um it almost doesn't make sense for us to expect him to just breeze it over. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm sure he's just being a very professional person um, and just saying, hey, like, I feel a certain way, but I know we have a common goal that we want to, you know, be excellent as a team. And this is the, really the only way that we can do this at the moment. Um, so I'm going to allow this to take this path rather than, make it into something else that I potentially really want to make it into um, that can derail our season. So it's, it's definitely, um, I wouldn't use the word concerning on my end just because I think he'll be fine. You know what I mean? But it's just something that he shouldn't, he doesn't deserve to have to go through. Um, and the team doesn't deserve to have to go through. That's what's, that's what's so disappointing. And like, like you said, just annoying from the whole situation. Uh, but yeah, I definitely think it's going to be something that they deal with in a major way in the offseason. And they're just trying to put it off until the offseason, you know. 
Yeah, so we we found out that like Dre is not going to be suspended, which I think is sort of what people thought was going to happen. Um, that he's been fined, and who knows? There could be like other things happening that we're just like not going to know in the background, right? Like, who knows? He could be going to like therapy, and we just don't know, right? Like, they're not gonna we're not gonna know every little thing that's happening, but we know that there's no no suspension. And so um, the fan base, outside the fan base, people just reacted to that in different ways. Um, I kind of felt, I kind of fall like in two different places. One, I, like my initial response was sort of like, this is sort of weak. Um, or I, I guess I didn't necessarily think it was weak, but I thought that I didn't like really enjoy the messaging of like, this is like the biggest crisis we've gone through. And I think I tweeted something like, it's your biggest crisis, but like, it's just dealt with with a fine. Like, it just, I would have just preferred you not even say all that. Like, I would have just like, this is the route we're taking because the players in consultation with Jordan, this is the best thing that we thought was, you know, the direction we should go and just leave it at that. Because if you're telling me the gravity of the situation is that it's like this big major crisis, but then there's like no suspension or nothing. It just, it seems inconsistent. Um, but sometimes like penalties and discipline is just handed out sometimes to appease the public. And I certainly don't want that, but I am, I'm a believer in discipline, certain forms. Um, when I think it serves as a deterrent or helps to become a deterrent for like future bad behavior. And, um, I don't, I don't think that Dre being suspended for like 20 games would like, Aside from that, also like hurting the team, I'm just throwing out an arbitrary number. There's like not that anyone was talking about that, but just saying like a large number of games, like it would definitely hurt the team, right? But I guess I'm not convinced that that would necessarily be a deterrent. But I think because ring night is the first game, I personally would have liked to have seen him suspended for the first game because I do think that that, would have had an impact on him missing something so momentous, you know? So I would have liked to see that, but that didn't happen. But I'm also still okay with it um, because you sort of alluded to this in some tweets, but like what he's feeling internally from his team and teammates and the fact that what he did may have forever changed certain relationships may be more of a deterrent and punishment than any kind of discipline that the Warriors could have laid out. And like, I'm so, I'm sort of paraphrasing what you said. I think that's like what you were getting to, but that's sort of how I read it. But I also think that that's like a very valid, valid, insightful point. Yeah, um, that's that's definitely what the point that I was getting at. Like, just Dre thrives off being a leader. He thrives off having people follow behind him and listen to his voice that's why he wants to well that's why he's in the media currently and he's set up to continue to be in the media in even a bigger way after he's retired um because he he just wants people to to listen to him and follow him um so now that that dynamic on this team and this franchise that he has played such an integral part in turning into what it is today now that that is damaged potentially to a point where it's irreparable like then like I think that in itself is just such a huge blow to him um and his personal pride and and things that he takes pride in 
that that has already done enough, not necessarily enough, but it's already done so much um, for him mentally that I don't think necessarily any suspensions um, would have done the same thing. And then also just this entire situation has given all of the leverage to Golden State when it comes to whether or not he's going to remain with the team and how much money he would get and all this other things. He essentially just took all leverage from his side. Um, and I'm sure the rest of the league looks at it that way as well. Golden State just decides to say like, all right, we're going to like, unless you pick up your option, we're going to give you this number, right? Which is significantly lower than what you wouldn't have, what you would have got. Um, and if you leave, so what? Like, and everybody else in the league is probably going to be like, okay, like I get it. Cause he has done so many things that has just caused trouble over the years with the team that is, is, is understandable at this point if they let him go, even given how important he is to the basketball side um, of the franchise. Yeah, I think just a couple of months ago, the idea of like Dre leaving the team and the Warriors letting him go would have a very different effect than it would today. And that's honestly shocking to say. <laughs> like if Dre's Warriors tenure comes to an end and it's not with him retiring a warrior um I think like now it's much more palatable <laughs> than it than it would have been before and I like would have never imagined that right it's it's almost getting to a point where where you've always had some people sprinkled in and say like get rid of Draymond whatever case may be but it's almost like it's more people on that side of the spectrum than it than it is on the other side people wanting him to stay um and so. i don't think it's just like twitter because sometimes the twitter voices can feel loud but like from people i know in the bay and i'm hearing they're just like yo this is a sentiment like across the bay um which is sad in a way when you think of all that he's done and meant and been to the franchise yeah Definitely. That's that's the best word, I think, to describe the whole thing is just like it's just sad. And like we were we were speaking earlier, like dynasties and, and these um, dynastic runs from these franchises, they rarely end in the way that you want it to end, where it's like one of two ways. Either they they go out on top like the Bulls did, like they had their last their last dance, they won a championship and then they essentially just, you know, Michael retired and all this stuff. Or somebody just comes out of out of nowhere, or just somebody that's been in the mix for a while just finally dethrones them and just beats them like fair and square, right? Um, and that's something that we've been taking pride in as Warriors fans over the years. It's like when Steph, Dre, and, and Clay are playing and they're healthy, they haven't really they haven't been beaten in a, in a playoff series since. Um, uh, the last time they lost, which is almost a decade ago, right? right? And for it to potentially not, for it to potentially end in a way where like that isn't the case, like where somebody just like finally beats them, that's just sad and disappointing. And it's going to be one of those stories in the, if it happens, it's going to be one of those stories in the sports world that's just kind of like, dang, what if, you know, how long could their run have gone? Or something like that hopefully it doesn't get to that point or i mean we'll just see what happens but that would just be a very sad way for the whole thing to end 
um would be very would be very unfortunate for sure um so I mean what do you think ring night is gonna be like because I mean we sort of talked about this a little bit offline though in terms of do you like is the crowd gonna welcome Dre will there be some booze like do you anticipate that I mean I just don't know do you think he's even gonna speak (laughs) I don't think he's gonna speak um I think he's going to be on his best behavior, which could potentially bleed over into the court. But also, I think he's going to be trying to play as well as he can possibly play from this point on, just to try to gain as much leverage as he can back as an individual player when it comes down to talking contracts or maybe another team looking at him, stuff like that. Um, I think he might get some booze. I think Jordan is going to get a huge welcome, uh, welcome huge cheer. Um, I'm really looking to see how like the other guys react because I mean, in the preseason, they've showed up, they've been focused. Like it seemed like in a way, this has kind of brought the other guys closer to each other, um, which is unfortunate because it's, it's come at, you know, he's been alienated from his own actions and then, um, everybody else has gotten closer to each other because of that. But I think they're going to play well. Um, we'll see if, like, Steph can kind of shake his uh, Lakers <laughs> Lakers thing. That well, it's at – it's at um, – it's in Golden State, it's though, right? Golden State. Chase. It's in – yeah. But, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just a weird dynamic with him and – playing against the Lakers but it is it's the, it's the <laughs> it's, well, it's we beat so the Lakers last year and that was there I mean Steph was not like great but he was still very good but like pool pool showed out yeah. um Jordan for some reason he hates the Lakers like he he always <laughs> pulls out some like he always pulls out some shit with the Lakers whether it be a crazy move or he just has a great game Clay kills the Lakers too so um we'll see um, I think today would be the first time Clay's scrimmaging too, or maybe second time. So he hopefully he's ready. Um, but yeah, I think I think they're going to win. I think it's going to be weird with Dre. They're probably not going to let him speak. He's probably not going to be very much like out as if he would if this didn't happen. Um, but it's going to be a little weird energy in the beginning and before the game. But hopefully it's not, not too weird where it affects them on the court. And that's the, I think that's the whole thing that everybody's worried about is like, will this spill over into the court? Yeah. And I think that's like the, that's a really important conversation that's getting lost because there were a lot of, there was a lot of celebration that Dre is going to be back for ring night on the timeline. There was a lot, of, I mean, not look, there were people who also felt like the Warriors didn't do enough, but like there were definitely a lot of people pleased or just in general, like kind of applauding Jordan Poole for his maturity and willingness to sort of put the team first I think is how people see it um and I just kind of caution people like let's see how it all looks when they get back together because like you can want to do something you can say I can put this aside to like work with someone and that's much easier said than done right there's how does it actually play out on the court body language like just Mm-hmm. there's all kinds of things right like I mean even when it wasn't of this magnitude like even like without like people like us who are like super junkies and like follow everything like even 
before the like let's say when Dre and Kevin Durant had like their like when he had blew up at Katie right Mm-hmm. there were times we would sense Kevin Durant's body language on the court and knew that something wasn't right. I guess is the point that I'm alluding to. So we pick up on things like that, you know? Um, so I think there's just a lot to pay attention to in terms of, you know, because like in terms of like what happens on the court and how it plays out, because, you know, Stephen A. Smith, I don't know, he's, like has a lot to say about the Warriors right now I mean I guess everyone does but he didn't like comments that Kevon Looney made which we'll get to in a second um and you know like but his his whole thing seems to be that like if you weren't the person hit like this doesn't impact you and I'm just like what like what do you like that's crazy you know like this impacts the whole team and chemistry right that's not just on the court that starts sort of with your relationship off the court and um the relationships have been affected so like will that affect their chemistry on the court i hope it doesn't but it could it might right you're right um how how will dre barking orders that people land now how will how will it affect him in his willingness to bark orders will he kind of take a step back and try to not be so much the bad cop to Steph's good cop now because he knows guys may be a little bit more apprehensive to receive that type of message from him um it might be more of Loon doing that which he was already doing like Loon is very communicative out there we already Mm. knew that I just kind of felt like when you saw his comments in the post game which is like basically I mean, he said a lot, but I think the thing that like kept going around that people were like really harping on was him saying that Dre is going to have to earn, you know, like our, it was either our trust or our respect back. And um, Stephen A. Smith, for some reason, didn't like that he said that, but I thought not so much that what he said was a big deal. Cause I feel like that's common sense. Um, but that loon was the one saying it. And then the way that like, Kerr kind of just went on and raved about him and how cr- critical and crucial he's been at this time. It kind of, in a way, feels like to me they've like elevated Loon into that new role of like leader, spokesperson, elder vet on the team. I mean, he sort of cemented himself anyway as one of the like core guys after that run last year and and remaining healthy all season. So he's one of the voices. He's one of the leaders, and so. He is empowered by the team to speak like that. And I just sort of wonder if he's going to sort of be taking on some more of like what Dre used to do. That's what I'm curious to see. Yeah. um, And obviously Kerr spoke extremely highly of him as well. Uh, So I think they're not expecting him, but they are, you know, potentially leaning on him to do that. Um, And it's been, it's been cool to see because, I mean, we've seen, come on since he first came in the league for him to go from that to where he is now is yes amazing uh, (laughs) and he's jordan's he's jordan's guy they're from the same place like he's he's going to be in jordan's corner um not necessarily say that it's a jordan corner versus Draymond corner but um he's going to support his guy and he's going to try to do what's best for him and what's best for the team so i think him voicing his opinion publicly like that was definitely sending a message to draymond like look like I'm your guy. I'm his guy. Like, I'm just trying to get the team together, but this is what is going to have to happen 
um, in order for us to, you know, move forward. So um, it's been definitely a, a pleasant surprise to see Loon turn into this type of voice and player, like with, within the team. Yeah, for sure. And when you think of him as someone who we've all kind of like, like Luna's good in his role and he's like value to the team. And, but, you know, we always kind of thought of him as like a secondary, not a starter. We put him in trade talks, many of us. And like for him to like now be like a staple, like now I'm like, Luna, trade, Luna, what? Like, no, we, you know, it's, it's the, the changes. It's, I'm, I'm happy for him. I really am. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's gotten better every single year. Like, whether it's him getting a little bit stronger so he can bang with some of the bigger players because he came into the league a little bit more um, thin, right? His his projection was more of a, a four, right? Because he could shoot, he can handle, he was a little bit more mobile before he started getting injured and stuff like that. So he's kind of, it's been admirable to watch him morph himself into the type of player that he is now, which is such a, a sturdy defensive center, one of the best defensive players, period, in the league. Um, and then how he's like turned into this leader as well with his outspokenness and just how he anchors the defense. And we've seen in the playoffs and in the finals and, and all this, there's been, there was moments where Dre wasn't out there and they didn't necessarily miss a beat on defense because Loon was doing what he was doing. So, um, definitely super proud of what he's like turned into at this point. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Speaking of staff. Um, I'm curious about his relationship with Dre because when he did the initial presser kind of, you know, to first address the situation, mm-hmm. he was visibly annoyed. For sure. Visibly annoyed. Um, and I think like one of the things that many of us know is that like, whether it was said or just like an unspoken thing, like part of what always I think protected Draymond on the team is Steph because of like Steph loves him, you know, like they absolutely have a real bond that's on and off the court. And I just wonder if that's affected at all. And I like, I wonder how that will be on the court. Like, I know that they're so used to playing with each other and Dre knows stuff like the back of his hand. So I imagine that kind of like connection will like still exist. But like when Dre does something, like, is there going to be like all the high fives and excitement and that camaraderie together? Like, like maybe when you're just like in the moment and in the game, you're not thinking about the other stuff. So it won't matter or will it, you know, like, Will it link, like, will there be any change? I mean, Steph is such a pro and he's also somewhat of a politician. So like, he may not let that become apparent to us, but like, I just, he was visibly annoyed (laughs) in that presser. And he's usually really good at not like letting on to things, but he was visibly annoyed. And I just, I wonder how that's going to be in general. Like, you know, like in general with anyone, like the celebrations, the, that's all part of the chemistries. I mean, we touched on it already, but there's just, my mind is so, you know, like, I hate that this is what I'm focused on, but their chemistry is so important that like, I'm not even so concerned with like, if you lose some games in the beginning or not, except, except that if they have any kind of losing spell to start the beginning of the season, then we are not going to stop hearing about this incident. So I almost need them to win to ignore it. But 
that those are the kind of little things I, I think I'm going to be looking for like to and paying close attention to. Yeah, same. Um, and I think this is where the the DNA or like what Steph, the term Steph used, the fabric of the of the team kind of comes into play. Right. I think ultimately the chemistry is never going to go away. They've been together for too long um, as far as like on court, knowing where guys are supposed to be, stuff like that. Um, I think where we're all more concerned about is like the morale of the team. Like, do they like to be around Dre at this point? Like, is that going to spill over onto the bench? I think on the court, they'll be, they'll be fine for the most part. Um, but it's definitely going to take some additional leadership from Steph on top of what he already does. Andre, Loon, Clay. I think, and I think Clay just kind of his personality is going to, help the situation a little bit because he's so like go with the flow like everything's cool always like I'm gonna just dance and be on my boat and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> like, so I think he can kind of not necessarily distract people from the but issue lighten lighten yeah, but lighten the mood and just you know crack jokes and stuff like that so I'm, I'm hoping that that kind of shines through for Clay and um like I said Jordan is a professional he wants to do well. He wants the team to do well. And I think Dre, um, though he has a lot of moments of unprofessionalism, I think at least on the court, when it comes to playing basketball outside of like arguing with referees, he's going to do what it what it takes to for the team to function the way they're supposed to function. Um, it's just a question of in the locker room, on the bench, like what is the what is the vibe going to be? Because that's that is the thing that gets you through those moments where you might lose a few games that you shouldn't be losing, or you might go through a, a rough patch in the season. That's when the, the, the noise of bad relationships gets a little bit louder. So um, yeah, I'm just hoping it doesn't, I hope they just breeze through the season. Like I expected them to and just win a ton of games. So like we like that saying, winning cures all. It doesn't cure all, but like winning would definitely mask a lot. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> it would definitely mask a lot of what's going on, um, and then they'll really have to face it in the off season. Listen, all I know is that ninja better not be taking off no damn games for like teams he don't care about playing. But I don't want to see none of that shit because you yeah. want to go on the shop and talk about how you don't like to get up for certain games you better get up for every goddamn game this, this yeah. season. I think he was going to do that this year in particular anyway because he wants some that money um contract year everybody plays their hardest for the full season you know what I mean like look at which in part is why he wanted the extension and and I think that's part of why they like I like I don't think he was ever getting the extension so that's why like not at this time right so I never thought that was happening um, and I think that's in part because like they need to see from him like what he really has left because it's hard to assess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if his on the court value is as high as it it was last year in the beginning of the season, you saw his body broke down, um, and you never know with back injuries. Just in general, when guys start to get into their early to mid thirties, things that have never caused issues for them in the past start to cause issues for them. So is definitely a a trial period for him regardless. And I think he knew that he just wanted the, he was kind of like hoping that he would get the extension, but I think he knew like, all right, they're probably going to see what they can get for me. Um, and 
now he really has to ball out because if he not, does. not looking good. And, and 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 even if he balls out, I'm still a little curious about what he would be offered around the league and who would be willing to offer. I mean, we know the Portland Trailblazers probably would. Um, and I'm sure maybe the Lakers would, depending on how their season goes. Um, but I don't know the other teams and I don't know what would be on the table for Dre. And in light of this, like Jordan Poole incident happening, you have to wonder, like, in general, if teams are going to be like, do we really want to bring him into our locker room? So I think it definitely changes the equation. And I, I think something that's really important for people to remember is that Dre is not, Dre technically doesn't just become a free agent at the end of the season. He can like pick up his option, mm-hmm. right? And so that's something for him, like if he doesn't like what's out there um, that he may do or could do. Yeah. Um, I think financially, if he wants just the biggest amount of money he can get, I think that's probably the best option. I I just don't know if teams are going to throw 27 26 million dollars at him and I don't think I mean I don't know if teams one have that type of money to throw at him and two are in the type of situation where it would make sense for them to throw that type of money at him um and then you obviously add on this additional layer of the off the court stuff that he could potentially be bringing to a franchise um and you can make the argument that this like the Warriors franchise is like the worst possible franchise for you to be doing things like this because there's no real reason there's no dysfunction there um so you're just creating dysfunction seemingly out of nothing and he's done it over the course of years so you get into these other situations where it's not as quote-unquote perfect where you're playing with a selfless leader like Steph and you're playing with a team that has had a championship roster for many many years and a championship coach who's been all over the NBA it just seems like it doesn't really make sense for it there to be dysfunction created there. So when you get to less than perfect, perfect situations, what is that going to look like? So uh, I just, I just don't know what his market value is to the teams that actually want him and can acquire him. So yeah, I think 26 million is the most that he would probably get next year. And essentially it just wouldn't be smart for them to not take that player option. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only real value to him would be like, I guess maybe if someone wants to give him like, I don't know, like 20 million over like two years or three, whatever, like just the long-term value and security of that may be enough to entice him. But also I don't like, Dre just doesn't strike me as the kind of person who like, you know, I've heard people mention like Detroit and I'm, I'm sure in some years they might be like a formidable team, but it's like, I just can't see him going somewhere where like just for money, like even like you look at how like our young guys and I get it. Dame wasn't on the court, but like how they just embarrassed the Portland Trailblazers. Like you go in there. Are, are they winning anything? Like Dre likes to win. All he's known is the playoffs and competing, which is why he struggled so much that year when Steph and Clay were hurt, like mm-hmm. struggled, like mentally dealing with it. And he's on the record saying that, like, I just, and then so you have to think about that. Like if they're not winning and not really in position to compete, what is that going to mean for who he is on the court and as a player in your locker room? <laughs> you know, because he only knows winning and that's what he wants to be doing, competing for a championship. So 
these are all the reasons why I just cannot understand <laughs> why he he messed this up because I don't even see the other teams that are going to give you that chance to compete. Exactly. I mean, especially when you bring up a team like Detroit. Detroit has a young core that they're trying to develop. Like, obviously, young players and Dre might not mix that well anymore. You know, like, so it wouldn't make a lot of sense for him to bring, for them to bring him in there and then essentially take, take, you know, touches or whatever the case may be away from his young players. And, and it just, I don't know if that would go well. And then Portland, you look at Portland, they, they aren't going to win anything this year, at least there. I don't see them making the playoffs. They might make the play in. I mean, they probably be like 10th, 9th seed. Um, and then what does Dame look like next year? He's dealt with some injuries. He's getting older. And Nurk is getting older. I mean, despite he's not that old, but he's had injuries and he just doesn't look good. So, um, yeah, that that point that you made about like just not Dre's type of dude that he wants to be playing in June. He wants to be playing in May. And if it's not that type of situation for him, I just can't see him wanting to to part ways with Golden State for that. Right. That's why it seems like it's like Golden State or the Lakers, which. Will you be winning if you go to the Lakers? I don't know. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just such a weird situation now. It's very weird. Um, so let's talk about, though, like the rest of the team. Um, because I've been like really impressed with what I've seen um, in preseason. I mean, I like, I haven't gone, like, I watched, like, a little bit of the games in Japan, Um, not ever the full games. I kind of, like, went back and watched stuff, but, like, I watch even in the game that they lost to the Lakers, there were lots of things that I liked that I see. Um, mm -hmm. And I, in the second unit in particular, there's just, like, so many different things. So I'm going to tell you what I liked, and I need you to break it down for me and everyone because, you know, that's what you do so well. Um, and also, I want to know here, though, what you've liked and saw. So one, this sort of a two man game that's developed between Jordan Poole and James Wiseman. Um, and let's just talk about James Wiseman <laughs> while we're at it. Well, like, I just, I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> like tears to my eyes. <laughs> yeah, he's been balling. He's been balling. Um. You know, you, you can still see some of the rawness there, but you can see the, how the much strides that how much strides he's made from his rookie season to now. Just little things like understanding where to stand on defense, right? And there's and there's some things obviously that he still has to work on with his verticality and challenging shots, but um, you can just see that his presence inside is definitely deterring a lot of uh, players just because he is so big. Um, but for him to take it to the next level, he has to get a little bit better with his timing and how he approaches blocking shots and, and, and challenging shots. But on an offensive end, you can see his skill set when you when you put him next to guards and wings that know what to do with the ball and know how to engage his defender and then drop it off to him where he needs it and stuff like that. You can see his gifts really shine through. He he's super big, athletic, you know, potentially he um has lost a little bit of burst with his knee injury but he still is one of the better athletes I think at his position in the league um he has soft touch you know he can shoot a midi stuff like that so I think he's a he's a weapon he's definitely a major weapon as long as he's a around a neutral on, on the defensive end and making sure that the plays are 
are developing instead of like holding the ball like he used to do his rookie year, then I think he can like be a major weapon for them off the bench, like throughout the regular season playoffs. I too. mean, as a bench player, to me, he's like substantially better than like other people's bench players, right? So like while he might not still yet be ready to play with the starters, um, and maybe that will come over time during the season, he's definitely at a level higher than a lot of the players that some teams would have on their benches. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think so. I think so for sure. Um, and the thing with the Warriors is like, they obviously don't like, and, and none of these teams like just sub out their entire five and put it right. in five. So it'll be some cross matches with him and some starters and some starting caliber bigs that he's going to have to learn the hard way. Like he kind of did with Anthony Davis. Like, you gotta you gotta really be brushed up on your scouting. You gotta really know these guys' strengths and weaknesses. And um, there's no better way to learn than to experience it um, yourself. So I expect him to look a lot better as the season goes on than he does even now, which is exciting because he's looking pretty good already. What did you see between him and and Poole? I mean, should I actually expect that there will be some pick and roll between them and that? Steve Kerr is going to allow that to happen? <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> I think uh, at least once Steph went down last year, he kind of let Poole play to his strengths, whether it be isolation, pick and roll, stuff like that, because he's more of a modern guard than um, like modern in the sense that like heavy pick and roll, wants to handle the ball, wants to shoot off the dribble, stuff like that. Um, rather than Steph and Clay being more from a traditional standpoint um, as scorers, like where they run off the ball, they got a lot of Reggie Miller, Ray Allen to their game, but they obviously, Steph can mix it up with the ball as well. And I think from this point on, Kerr is like, all right, we might need to transition a little bit and evolve as a team and how we approach offense in order to maximize all of these guys. And I think just for, for James himself, being a pick and roll big is probably the best way to optimize him offensively even though he's made some strides some noticeable strides as a guy who can catch the ball in the post and make some reads he made a really good pass to Jamichael in a cut uh the last game and his footwork is improved too I noticed yeah. Decky has been definitely you know getting them right um but as far as the pick and roll with Jordan it can potentially be a really devastating um punch for the Warriors off the bench just because both of them have such a wide skill set and what they can do offensively. Um, Jordan essentially is a, an elite three-level scorer already. He can shoot the three off the dribble going either way. He can shoot floaters. He can shoot mid-range. Um, during that 18-point quarter, the third quarter the other night, he hit like a few mid-ranges in a row where it was just not even hitting the rim. Um, and he's one of the best guard finishers in the league already. So I think just that and his gravity that he's going to bring with him off the pick and roll He's going to open it up for James Wiseman, who's shown that he can hit little mini floaters. He can shoot a mid-range from the free throw, and he can like put it on your head, too. So that's just going to be extremely difficult for especially second units of guard. Hmm. Uh, I'm so happy for James Wiseman. I mean, he was berated in a way that he just should not have been and deserved by social media to the point that the, he got off Twitter, you mm. know, and I feel so bad for him. And I like, so I'm so happy for him that like, I'm just sure just to be able to play basketball, right. is like yeah. such a big thing. And, and, but that he's looking good 
and you can kind of start to see and understand why the Warriors drafted him. Like it took a little time. I mean, I think it made sense always, but like, I think now people who apparently need to visually see things are starting to understand why that's who they chose to go for. I don't want to rehash whether it should have been LaMelo or not, whatever. It's James Wiseman. And I'm just really, I'm really ecstatic for him. Um, now, there's a lot of few players I want to talk about, but since we're talking about Jordan Poole and James Wiseman, you know, when Mark was on the show, like he, we talked about the potential for Poole to be an all-star this year. And while I think that was probably like something that could have been happy, could have been possible, right? I think still maybe a little bit of a stretch, but could have been possible. There's a part of me that thinks because this whole situation occurred that like, that's the way you're going to see Jordan like respond with like, just like a monster type season, right? Like I don't see him being the kind of player because we're sort of expecting and that's what the news and the the scuttlebutt seems to be that like the the um the extension is coming soon and it may even be a little bit more than it would have been <laughs> to compensate him for his troubles yeah. so but i he doesn't strike me as the type that's going to get complacent because he got that you know and i feel like this situation and everyone talking and all of this is almost going to like motivate him to be like a man on a mission this year, you know? And I don't know, but now there's a part of me that thinks like Jordan could potentially be an all-star this year. Um, I saw some people saying six man of the year and I'm just wondering, is he going to even be treated as a true six man? Cause he's going to play. I mean, I know Ty Tyler Harrell was kind of like in the same situation, I guess last year, but like, is would he be considered a six man? I just don't even know. I think it depends on um how well they're playing. I think I think um because it's that that's directly tied to how many games Steph and Clay are gonna play. Like if they I don't think Clay Clay's probably not gonna play a lot of back to backs, like right at all. Um so they're obviously gonna just slide Jordan into their starting spot when he doesn't play, and then I don't know how many games. Steph is going to end up with at the end of the season, hopefully around uh, like 68, 70. Um, I when I say that, people think I'm crazy. I'm like, guys, the Warriors can't play a lot of games without Steph. Like I know like they're going to manage it, but the team does not function without him. So he's not yeah. going to be on no like 50 something games for the year. Like he's going to be close, high 60s, close to 70, I think. And And he's one of the, if not the best conditioned athlete in the NBA and he no longer deals with chronic issues with his no. health. It's always something random, like right. falling on him or something like that, that's caused him to miss games. And if they did, if those things didn't happen, he, he would have played right. pushed 70 games last year. He probably would have played the entire season in 2021, other than those like few rest games. It uh, might be like back to like not as many fourth quarters, hopefully, and things like right. that. But like, I feel he's going to get close to 70 games i agree with you yeah and, and barring injury right please no injuries <laughs> <laughs> and and piggybacking on that part on that point about the fourth quarters it could potentially be his lowest minutes per game total in the last two to three seasons uh maybe even longer than that 
but I, I think his total games played is going to be higher than last year, most likely. Um, so if if Clay's missing a ton of games, then Jordan is probably going to start a ton. And I don't know if that would disqualify him, but I think we got to view him as a six man for now, just because, you know, he's not in the projected starting lineup. Um, and, but we'll and, definitely be playing starter minutes. Yeah, he'll be playing starter minutes. And I mean, typically six man in a year is somebody that's playing starting level minutes. And he'll, I think he'll run away with it if that's, if he's actually eligible based on how many games he doesn't start, then he'll run away with it. He's probably, like you say, going to have a monster season validating the extension he's about to get. Um, trying to drown out any noise, external noise that he's getting from this incident. And he's one of those players that's gotten better every single year. I don't think it was going to stop this year. Um, all-star, all-star. I'm going to start my campaign early. Yeah, we can start the campaign. Like you said, this is definitely it's definitely <laughs> out there as far as the possibility. But we can start the campaign. You know, I'm I'm shameless <laughs> with the agendas. Like we gonna <laughs> we gonna get loony in the All Star game too. Like okay. word, I want us having four All Stars. I don't know who that's gonna be because it's been a while since they've had four All Stars from the Dubs. We need a minimum of three. So yeah, all um, of like Steph, Wiggs, Clay, who Wiggs. We gotta talk about Wiggs. We got Wiggs. Like he's trying to prove something on the defensive end this year because he felt like he was snubbed. But let's okay. Let's just like wrap up. I don't skip over anybody. So we talked about Wiseman and like Poole. Okay. We think he's probably definitely going to be a contender, if not the runaway candidate for six man of the year, potential all-star um, extension coming sky's the limit for Jordan Poole. Um, okay. He definitely did come alive in that last game he played. It was first. Was that the Lakers game? Jordan? Yeah. Was yeah. He playing that game? Yeah. Yeah. He just he, started. He, he kills the Lakers for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. He had, what, something like 25 and three quarters or something like that? Like he just, that third quarter, he went crazy. Yeah. He had 18 points by himself in the third quarter. And I believe he had like three or four assists. And they were like nasty plays too. Like it was a loud 18 and three. Like, yeah. He had that one play with the in and out. Like, like he just, it was the highlight. Like it was sick. The one that like Katie tweeted about. Right. His creativity was through the chart. And then it was only a matter and that we can see his rookie year and his second year after that, that the skills are kind of catching up to his creativity. And I felt, I know we all felt like sometimes he was moving a little bit too fast for his body to catch up with what his mind is thinking, but now it's starting to catch up and it's, it's definitely a little scary. Like, I just can't believe we have that on our team now. It's just, ah! okay. I want to stick with the second unit for a minute though. So, um, Dante, I'm just so pleasant. Like, I know I still understand how heartbreaking it was to lose GP2, but I was kind of always one of those people like, guys, I think we got the right replacements for like Otto and GP2. Like, if they're not duplicates, but I really think like, you know, they're going to be fine. And I have been really happy with Dante. And then Jermichael just made me happy because I'm like, if his shot is back like that, whoop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean they're both uh, can we just talk about our two off-season acquisitions please for sure for sure um like you said they're not duplicates of of gary and otto because they're slightly different players than both of those two dudes um i think dante we all knew he was going to be able to bring a little bit more than gary could offensively at least as a ball handler um and a shooter 
you know, Gary was devastating as his as a cutter and, and like finisher at the rim. But Dante, what he was doing against the Lakers, just getting it. I mean, against the Blazers. He's a really good playmaker. I didn't know that he had that kind of court vision. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's played like a lot of point guard before he got to the NBA and he kind of got put into like a shooting guard role. Um, but he can he can run second units. He can be off ball, on ball. He's just a, a, a good, well-rounded basketball player and that doesn't do anything really bad. He does everything really well. That's the, that's his thing. I have a question because some I saw someone tweet something like he brings like some playmaking and ball handling that we haven't had before in the squad. And I was like, I feel like Andre Iguodala sort of did that. But um, it, like Andre was like a sixth man, I suppose. And Dante is probably what, like your seventh man, right? He's like a seventh, probably yeah. seventh guy. But um. Do you think in terms of like playmaking that uh, do you think he's more versatile than 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 Andre comparable offensively I that's a that's a tough question. I think in a way yes offensively because he's a better shooter. Um Andre was a really is a really good ball handler for his size, but I don't think he's like a better ball handler than Dante is. And I think Dante is a little bit more creative with the way he tries to wrap around passes and just stuff like that. Um, I think Andre is just a very safe, I know my role, but I'm also six, seven and a freakish athlete. So he can just do more things like with his athleticism that Dante can. But I think when you talk about having a floor game, Dante probably has an, has an edge on him. And then as an off ball player, um, particularly when spotting up from three or attacking closeouts and stuff like that. I think Dante potentially could have a little bit more to him than Andre did. Um, and Andre obviously has an edge in being in the dunker spot and, you know, finishing plays as a cutter. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely – I would give Dante a slight edge over Andre on the on the offensive end in that particular role. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I I'm loving the Dante pickup already. And then Jermichael, I mean, I like that pickup too. I think there was like some questions about, you know, can he still shoot? Like he kind of had a down year, battling some injuries. So I just feel like that unit, those guys playing together, it looks like they've developed some chemistry with one another. Yeah. Already. They just they just know how to play. That's why it's it's funny when like we bring in somebody in the offseason people are looking at how they played with their last team like oh he was washed last time he was there blah blah blah. it's like well the Warriors played different than anybody else in the league as long as you can um dribble pass make a quick decision and you don't really got to be able to shoot is be able to know basketball then you're probably going to fit in and you're going to be asked to do a lot less than what you were doing on these other teams um so it's it didn't really make a lot of sense for me to, I mean, for people to like say that Dante and Jamaica weren't going to be good for the Warriors. They're, they're Warriors type players. Like, and I mean, Jamaica's shot was definitely falling against the Blazers. I think he hit like eight threes or something like that. But I think he would have still been great with the Warriors if his shot wasn't falling just because his role is to just play defense, rebound, and uh, you know what I mean? Move the and ball. He definitely is rebounding. He can still do those things. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely cherry on top when you when you're hitting shots and and finishing plays. But he was going to be good, or he's going to be good with the Warriors regardless. So let's talk about your guy Moses Moody. Next up. So where where is he going to be in the rotation? Because it's like Ashton Pool. Like I'm still confused on like like. I'm saying it's Dante, but like Moody's trying to make a case for himself. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to use him as a wing. So I don't, I don't think he's necessarily going to be competing with Dante for minutes. Um, and like we said, when Clay misses some games, he's going to get more of an opportunity, but he's ready. Like he's, you can tell the game is slowed down for him on the offensive end. I have said multiple times before that I think he can be a 40 plus percent three-point shooter in his league I think he has the jump shot for that it was just a matter of him speeding up his release um, and getting more comfortable with a faster release but not only can he be a 40 percent three-point shooter in the league especially playing with these guys gonna get a lot open shots but he has a little bit more wiggle to his game than people are acknowledging I think his to the basket game he's creative his arms are super long so he definitely he gets in the air he does some things with his arms to to get his shot off he can finish um, so the lack of athleticism that we thought he had going into the league, I don't think it's going to be as much of an issue as, you know, people initially thought. So I, like I said, I think he's next up. It's going to be tough for him to get as many minutes as he, I think really deserves at this point. I think he could be like a 20 plus minute per game guy and be an impactful player, but it's, the Warriors have the best backcourt core group in the NBA, I think by far. Um, so it's going to be tough for him to get all those minutes, but how many minutes do you think he'll get? Um, I mean, the actual number at the end of the season is probably going to be higher than what it actually is on a game to game basis, just based on people missing games. But I think with the full team, he probably gets, you know, 12 to 14, you know, he'll be a regular rotation guy for sure. For sure. I think it's going to be like undeniable for him to, you know, He'll be able to play the two. He'll be able to play the three, depending on who they play match up with. He'll be able to get some minutes at like a small ball four. Um, and he's just a player. Like he he rebounds, he cuts, he can shoot, he can dribble. He's a Warriors guy. And he's obviously a lottery pick. So they're going to try to, you know, play him as much because he's the next base. So he's definitely going to get minutes and he's going to play well. I mean, I'm anticipating he's going to play extremely well in his minutes. So, um, Kaminga seems to be the odd man out. Like right now they're struggling to figure out what to do with him. Um, so what, like, what, what do they need to do with Kaminga? Like, what do they got to do? Because we don't want to stunt his growth and development. Yeah. I think Dre missing a lot of these preseason games has negatively affected, negatively affected Kaminga. Um, cause I think the lineups that make sense for Kaminga usually include Dre because he's a guy that is usually finding cutters, finding the dudes that are in the dunker spot and stuff like that, pushing the ball in transition. So a guy, an athlete like Kaminga can get out and run. Um, so they've been playing Kaminga a, a lot of three, um, small forward. Um, I don't know that's his position yet. I think he needs to develop his handle a little bit more. I think he needs to develop his outside shot a little bit more. And I think he I think needs- right now he's a four. I think he's a four in this offense. Like, I usually compare him to GP2 as far as like his optimal role with the team right now. And I think once he expands his uh, skills, like his soft skills, like dribbling, shooting, 
and just like understanding a play development, like kind of like what I was talking about with Wiseman earlier, just seeing plays develop before they are actually developing instead of holding on to the ball. Um, I think once he developed that, he can move on to more to perimeter. But right now he needs to play with Draymond and a spacer, essentially. Um, he needs to be the guy that's occupying most of the space within the three-point line. Um, like I said, like a GP2 cutting back door, being in a dunker spot, catching lobs and stuff like that, rolling to the basket, maybe doing a screen. I know the screen and roll with, with him and Steph was pretty was pretty potent last year. He was getting a lot of dunks off of it because people were just going with Steph. And then you give a guy like that a runway, he's going to put it on your head. So um, I think you can't really play him with Wiseman a lot right now. I was just about to ask, can he be on the court with Wiseman? Uh, I think defensively, sure. Um, I think he's already there defensively. Like as a point of attack wing defender, I think he's a way uh, ahead of schedule. I really? Think he, I think he's you don't ready. He fouls a little too much still. Nah. Um, I think he is pretty smart for the most part as far as staying down. Like usually a lot of young guys go for a lot of fakes. He doesn't. He navigates screens extremely well. Like if he if he's told to ice a screen and keep a guy in a certain area of the court, he does that. He gets over screens really well. He's really long, athletic, active. Um, and he plays hard on the defensive end because I think he really takes pride in any type of one-on-one situation. He doesn't like being scored on one-on-one, and he usually tries to, like, bully guys and cook guys that are checking him one-on-one. So defensively, he's there. He can play pretty much in any lineup, I think, as a point-of-attack defender. Um, but offensively, I think this it's a little bit clunky with his fit because he's kind of lacking in those soft skills right now. So he has to he has to be the... The, the play finisher instead of a connected passer or play initiator. Okay. So then talk to me about Pat Baldwin Jr. Because I asked when we last spoke, like, could he possibly work himself into the rotation? And I feel like he's trying to force himself into the rotation, Justin. <laughs> Can PBJ make it into the rotation, get more minutes than we were maybe anticipating? Because He's looking good, Justin. He does look good. Um, he's a dead eye. He's another guy that's probably going to be forty plus percent, like from three. Um, he's smart. That is pretty. Yeah, it's it's definitely pretty. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, it's like it's effortless for him. You know, that's what he does when he shoots it. Other guys, like it's kind of like ah, that's not your thing. But for him, you know, that's his thing. It's all about the other things that he does in the court. That's potentially going to be what gets him in or holds him out of the rotation, like defensively and all that type of stuff. But he's, he's a smart player. He understands his strengths and weaknesses as a defender. He uses his length. He doesn't really try to overexert himself. Um, they've been playing him a lot as like a small ball five in the preseason. Um, it's just a matter of like foot speed and stuff like that. Can he guard fours? Uh, I don't know if he like it's definitely going to be an uphill battle for him to get into the rotation because they don't anticipate him like having to do that because um, they have so many they're so deep as a team and he's a rookie so they're probably just like all right stash in the G League you're going to play here and there when such and such doesn't play with the big team um, but in those opportunities I can definitely see him showing out and then Kerr being like I might want to give him a little bit more run you know um I mean, it's a good problem to have, but, you know, 
I don't know. It's I remember be... there being something. I can't remember. Like, I, I don't remember where I read it, but I know that he had conversations with the team about what he needs to do to get on the court. And, like, he noted that. So, I mean, it's a goal for him, clearly. Yeah. And that's that's good. Like, you want somebody that's going to push and get better and, and show that they can, you know, really be impactful, even as a rookie. Um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like with last year with, with Moody and Kaminga, like, People, we weren't necessarily expecting him to be in a rotation. And then Kaminga would have a good month to two-month stretch where he's shooting really well from the field and he's dunking everything and he's playing good defensively. And Moody, obviously, whenever he got plugged in, he was just like kind of immediately, you can see that he was ready to play. Um, but the minutes just weren't quite there for him. So I think that could be a similar situation for Pat and even Ryan Rollins this year. because I was been... just about to say, what he looks, I mean... I don't I like I feel like I don't spend enough time kind of like talking about Rollins because it's just like that he was just kind of there and they paid to get him and then he mm -hmm. was hurt and but like they paid for him so I feel like they did that because they want to use him but like where's he gonna be used this year I mean it looks like he can be used he was good he played well I get it it was preseason but where are these guys gonna get minutes to play Justin yeah, I don't know if the minutes are there for him this year. Um, it's going to have to be one of the situations where a lot of guys are sitting. But you can see, you can tell, he can play. Like, What were their plans for him, though? What do you think like is the vision for him eventually on this team? I th think they're trying to groom him in into being like a backup point guard or just, you know, just somebody just in case Jordan didn't want to sign his extension. They got another. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might have been the thought process. Um, and just another player that they can just have in-house that they develop and see where it goes from there, whether that could be, you know, dangling him as a trade piece or something late in the in the future. Um, I would like to see him just stay with the Warriors um, for the long term because you can see the the foundation is set. Like, he can shoot a mid-range. He, he has creativity. Like I said, I tweeted the other day, like, guard – they're guard university like they Steph Clay Jordan they groom elite guards and I think he might be the next one even if you include Moody in there too he might be one of the next ones that just kind of takes that that step up and become something like substantial in the future what does this mean for our guy Quindary like I know that he is on a two-way anyway but um you know I kind of like oh, I thought Quinn would, like, you know, kind of get his opportunity this year, but there's a lot of talent. Yeah. A lot of talent. I mean, obviously he'll be on the two-way, um, but I just, I don't know what that means for him getting on the floor, aside from, like, when people are out and they need him or if someone gets injured, God forbid. Yeah. Um, it might have been a year too, I don't want to say too late, but if he'd have had the same opportunity that Gary had, where there was kind of like not necessarily a hole in the roster, but there was a lot more opportunity for someone to step in and imprint their impact on the team. I don't know if that opportunity is quite there this year, just because we just talked about Moody's going to be taking a leap and Dante's so good. And Ryan Rollins has showed some flashes. And then you obviously have the big three guards, um, Steph, Poole, and Clay. Um, I do think Quindary's path would be more of a, like a wing like just coming in and somebody that can guard up, guard some small forwards and make just be a defensive pest. 
and that, that that's always going to be viable. So I think he's going to get minutes, but it's going to be tough for him to take a GP2 type path or JTA type path where he starts on a two-way and gets brought up to the actual main roster and becomes an actual rotational player for them. I was, like you said, I was hoping for that to happen because he, he does deserve it and he is good enough to be a rotation player on a really good team, I think. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand really how good he is, but his team is just ridiculously deep, particularly in the backcourt. Um, how do you think the final roster is going to play out in terms of like for the season? Like, are they going to leave that last spot open? I don't think so. I think eventually they might bring in to start the season, though. Oh, to start the season, yeah, I think they're going to keep it open. I think okay. Um, so, I mean, we know who the four team guys are. I should right. probably go through those. But then Quinn's on the two way, and so what about like some of these other people who they've had like playing? Um, what's the guy? Shit. Pass me two. Oh, that's Jonas. No, well, Lester, he's two way, right? We're gonna give you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Lester and um Quinn, not Quindary. Every time I say Quinn, I'm thinking of Quinn Cook, even though I know I also call Quindary Quinn. So, so it's like it's Lester and Quinn on the two ways, right? So this guy Landry. Landry. Is that his name? What's his name? Oh, Anthony Lamb. Lamb. There you go. I don't know why yeah. I said Landry. I knew it was an L. Yeah, Anthony. Like, what are they planning to do with him? I mean. I'm not sure. I think they're they're just taking a look um, with Anthony Lamb. I don't know if Lester, because I mean, two ways you can just kind of like drop a guy at any point. Um, so I don't know if Lester is is like solidified in his spot. I think QW is, um, and I think they're letting Lamb, Lester, Pat Spencer, kind of all play for that last spot, uh, last like two way spot. Um, but based on what people have been saying, like Pat Spencer might be in the lead at this point. <laughs> you really? Know I mean? He's been playing pretty well. I'm not going to lie. He had a nice dunk last game. He's He's been making a lot of plays that like warrior-like plays where you're running the floor and you make two, three passes and he makes the second to last pass that leads to the bucket and stuff like that. Like he's been just really fitting in their system well. Um, oh, Ty Jerome is another one that's kind of like they brought him in to see what he can do. But yeah, I think they're just letting him duke it out and see who comes out on top. I think QW is pretty secure in his spot, and the other guys are just trying to find that last spot. So you think it's possible that Lester doesn't end up with that last spot? I think it's possible. Yeah, I think it's possible. He doesn't, I mean, if... Because I don't think they're going to put any of those guys on the roster for that 15th spot, not to start. No, I don't think so. I think they're just trying to... They don't really need that spot filled right now. They, I think they're trying to go through the regular season and see, okay... What do we potentially need? Does does somebody get injured and we need to fortify that position? Um, something like that. I think that's what they're thinking. But yeah, um, I don't know if Lester is like super secure in this spot because he hasn't really been playing a ton in the preseason. And he's been coming in super late in the games, like kind of when the games are like done and they're just like trying to see what they got. Whereas other guys like Anthony Lamb has been getting like second quarter run and first quarter run Pat Spencer checking in the game second quarter but do you think that's because they are more familiar with Lester so they need to understand what those guys can do or do you think it's because they're higher on them than him I think it might be that they're higher um because Lester I mean they, they they could it could be that they're more familiar with them but 
I think it will be kind of not necessarily irresponsible, but it would be kind of like a disservice to him to just like not play him and let other guys get some shine just because they kind of know what they got with them. Uh, so we'll we'll see ultimately. I think there's a good chance that he stays in his spot, but I, I also feel like it's a good chance that his spot is not 100% secure at all. Okay. So um, is Andre at all going to ever play or is he just, just strictly there to like mentor? I think he's going to play. Okay. I, think, I think he's just working his way back and they're kind of slow playing it because they know that when he does play, it's you playing Russian roulette with it. Like you don't know when he's <laughs> the next time he's going to play. So they're trying to save him. He's kind of like the, the break glass in case of emergency type of thing. Like, all right, it's a big game. Let's go play Andre or, you know, and I mean, they've echoed countless times that he's not there just to do the mentor thing. Um, so I think he's definitely going to play where and how many minutes. I'm not sure. But at least for right now, he's on mentor leadership, put out the fire duty right now. <laughs> um, okay. Which is, which is another sigh of relief that he came back because you didn't know something like this was going to happen, but. It was right. like, you need Andre back just in case some some bullshit go down. So You do. And I think he's really good for Kaminga. Like, he's yeah. really good for Kaminga. I mean, Moody, too, and, like, in all of them. But I think for Kaminga, because you can see that Kaminga gets frustrated. He gets in his head. And it seems like um, mm -hmm. Andre has that rapport with him. Yeah, that's his guy. I think I heard someone mention that, like, Kaminga was, like, hitting him up. Like, yo, come back to the team. Um, and... I remember when Andre announced that he was coming back on his podcast, I'm pretty sure Kaminga put on his IG story, like yeah, something. And Andre was like, my foot's in your ass all season. Yeah. Like, yeah. So they got a nice relationship. So that's really cool to see. Um, and if anybody can mentor him on how to fit in, in this system with his gifts is Andre. So for sure. Excited for that. So I, I started with those guys first because I kind of feel like we can like run through the starters pretty easily. Like everyone knows them. And we kind of already touched on like Kevon Looney and the the leap that he took. So, I mean, I felt like it was always like this, our starting center is like not determined and it's this and it's that, but like Luna's our starting guy and I'm very comfortable with that. Yep. I'm no longer really questioning his durability. It might just kind of always be there in the background because of like what we went through with him, sort of like the way people get like all crazy the moment anything happens to Steph. But um, mm -hmm. I feel really confident with Loon as the center. Um, Dre is there. We spent a lot of time on Dre. I don't think we need to speak too much more about him, except that I agree that like he's probably going to be on his best behavior and it's a prove it, prove it to, to us here. So, and prove it to them, the outsiders who he may be unfortunately auditioning for. So I'm hoping that he has a good year. We already saw that he kind of got his body into shape. He was looking very lean. So, you know, the other stuff will have to work itself out in terms of chemistry dynamic and all of that. But I think on court play, I'm expecting it to be a good year for Dre too. Although I don't know, what a good year looks like like I mean defense I know like what I can expect from Dre but like are we thinking his offense is gonna like improve a little bit or he'll be a little bit more active on the offensive end yeah I think he might be a little bit more aggressive especially like in transition trying to finish plays and stuff like that I think in a half court it'll be more of the same um just because they have so much more offense on the team now like even 
like Steph, Clay, and Wiggs um, in your starting five. Like there's three guys, two – well, one guy that's going to potentially be close to averaging 30 points a game and then two guys that can give you 20 to 22 any night. And then you got Jordan come off the bench who can give you 22 to whatever any night. Wiseman, all these guys that can shoot, finish plays. So I don't think Dre's necessarily going to be out there like, okay, I need to average 10 points this year. Like he'll probably average somewhere like seven or eight. Um, but the the key for him is to take those opportunities that are given to him to attack the basket. Be aggressive. Yeah, just be aggressive. Like if the, if there's nothing open, don't try to just force a pass just for the sake of not having to shoot. Um, so I think he'll he'll definitely be a little more aggressive as a shooter and a and a play finisher in transition. Um, and then, are you expecting he, teams to still play drop on him? Yes, in the regular season, yes. Um, in the playoffs, the smarter teams will put like a wing on him and they'll just like encourage him to shoot, but not be completely far off of him because they know he's going to, um, hand off a step or something like that. So, um, in the regular season though, teams are going to just like, let him be open pretty much and then play and just wait for somebody to get open. Uh, so he'll, he'll still have his value there and, you know, his, Everyone knows that the majority, if not all of his value is coming from what he does on defensive end. I think he's determined to to at least be all defensive first team and get some deep way votes, whether he gets it or not, is based on how many games he plays. Uh, but yeah, I guess. We'll I see. think though this incident like will have hurt him with some of the media because like those things matter. So like, you know, it's kind of like what we said about Ant Edwards in terms of like, I don't know about him being an all-star because of like, I don't know how like his comments in the off season, like when you, when you have some of that shit, you kind of got to like repair yourself, you know? And I know that there were already media who were not high on Dre, but like, I don't know. I just feel like he has some repairing to do, not just with his team, but around, I could be wrong, but I don't know. I just wonder how, like what transpired in the summer will affect him in terms of awards and voting and stuff like that. So definitely valid consideration. Um, yeah. Um, Clay is we're hoping I think is gonna probably play in the first game, but hasn't really played. Um, we learned that he didn't like really scrimmage or do much over the um off season, and some of that's like it sounds like. I mean, it, he didn't say this, and I don't know that he's received any kind of diagnosis, but some some trauma, a little like PTSD from like what happened to him, which I think. Mm-hmm. totally makes sense and is natural right so they're working him back in um but I I do expect it to be a better season for Clay as well starting from the beginning I gritted that he's missed some stuff in the beginning but still starting from the beginning of the season we expect him to still probably not play back-to-backs but I'm just guessing a little bit more consistency mm-hmm. some strength maybe like his defense I I don't really expect Clay to get back to an all defense level even though I know that's his goal but I just think to be solid like you know defensively and 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 offensively his shot everything just be a little bit more consistent yeah um and that's usually the biggest difference between year one post um injury and year two is more consistency uh another off season where he he wasn't able to scrimmage and play pickup and stuff like like he did in the past because of the mental block that he has. But you can see that his body looks a little bit leaner. Um, and he's definitely 
been working on his game, his individual game and stuff like that. So I think his shot is going to be, I mean, that's never going away, but I think his shot's going to be more consistent. Um, I think he'll also be better just by way of not forcing the issue like he was in the regular season, at least. Just, you know, coming back, he was really trying to get it all back in one game. And he was just shooting, shooting, whether it was falling or not, whether they were good shots or not. So I think his shot selection is going to look a lot better. I think him dropping some body fat potentially have a positive impact on how well he moves in the defensive end and just his rhythm and all that type of stuff to be better. So I can definitely see Clay having a much more consistent uh, overall year. And I, I can see him going for an all-star spot. This might be one of the last few opportunities that he gets to do that. So I think he's going to really try to try to go for it. Fan base is certainly going to vote him for it, but we got a lot of guys to vote for it. So I don't know that Dre is going to have the fan base for the all-star vote. I mean, Andrew Wiggins already got more last year. So you have Clay, you have Andrew, you have Poole, you have Steph. And Dre, had he not done that, would have had the fan base. I just, mm -hmm. I don't know. So let's talk about Andrew Wiggins, um, all-star starter Andrew Wiggins, um, who is trying to prove that, like, he should have been on a defensive team. So what are you expecting from Andrew this season? Expecting him to make an all-defense team, <laughs> for one. Um, whether or not he's an all-star again, it's to be determined, you know, it's really difficult to make it in the in the West. Paul George is back, Kawhi's yeah. back. If they and Kawhi's been looking good. <laughs> right. Those two are back. Um I know you said like the 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 homophobic comments like the the anything that was made could negatively affect him, but I expect him to make a superstar type leap. He could be in the mix. Um, you know, so it's gonna be tough for Andrew to make the all-star team, but he can definitely have like an all-star like impact on the team just shutting other guys' best players down, being able to hit shots. If he's consistently... Do you think we're going to see him rebounding the way he was in the postseason? Do you think that's, like, now embedded and built into him? I think a little bit. I don't know if it's going to be quite to that level just because it's so hard to do that over an 82-game season. He was really just playing his absolute hardest, like, every For sure. single game. Um, and I don't think the it'll be necessary as well. Um, just they'll be winning a lot of games just without him having to do that. And they team rebounds anyway. And like you have Loon yeah. there and then you have people like Jermichael who've been added, just other people who rebound. Right. And his minutes is probably going to be down. Um, and, you know, they're trying to make sure everybody's fresh for the regular, for the postseason, And they got a lot more depth this year. So the starters, I think all their minutes are probably going to be a little bit reduced, but I expect. Sounds like Andrew's also somewhat of a priority for them after pool to, to oh, get yeah. his extension completed. Yeah, they, they know, I mean, he's, like, we were uh, same high school class, so we're around the same age. He's still really young. Um, he's part of that next phase, you know, once, you know, Clay or, you know, if Dre's with the team, if, if, if Clay starts to, you know, tailor off, then you need some perimeter, you need to bolster that perimeter, and that's Jordan and Andrew, right? Like, we saw him begin the season last year. They were the best team in the league with those two guys there so um, they understand how much value Andrew brings to the team defensively even offensively like there's not many players in the league period that are his size and have his athletic gifts and then you couple that with the fact that he's a great defensive player and he can hit an open three at a 40 percent clip and he can finish plays at the rim and all that type of stuff so um expecting definitely a really good year I don't know if his numbers are going to 
necessarily like reflect that, but you'll visibly see that he's just much more in control of his game. He understands his role, and you know he's just going to be a really, really good player for them. Okay, and so Wardell, like he's going to get MVP this year. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> he's like I cannot have Steph's career end without him getting a third MVP. Like he already should have gotten it the last two years, but for like stupid shit, him deciding to like fucking have like a shooting slump in the middle of the season. And then like the year before these assholes not wanting to get like him support for the season. Right. Like even if they weren't going to win a chip, like to just make a little, you know, yeah, just make a little bit more effort during the regular season. So that being said, like, I really, really, truly believe like Stefan is going to get a third MVP. I've always said that it has to happen. And I feel like no one's even considering him. They're Luca and, and, and Jokic. And like, you know, he's old, like he's in better condition than all those guys. I'll tell you that. Um, MVP. This is what I'm saying. I want an MVP for Steph. I wanted to, um, as far as like the other guys, you just know, you just know Luca and Jokic are going to play like, damn near 80 games like 82 games maybe <laughs> but Luca, he always comes in out of shape it doesn't sound like that's going to be what's going to happen this year but Luca gets I feel you I feel you they're just I'm not convinced on Luca. I'm really not like I, I, first of all I'm you're not convincing me that Jokic is getting three MVPs in a row like I don't even think that shit's happening so people keep saying it but like the media just doesn't like to do that so I feel like they're gonna want any reason to give it to Luca. so I feel like Steph will be competing with that. But like, if the Warriors are rolling, he's going to have the narrative because Dre created one. Like you fucking brought all this drama to the team. So him kind of leading the team as they navigate like this, like the narrative is there. And then it's just like, can he get a third MVP this late year? So there is a strong narrative for him. And you know, there needs to be an MVP narrative. It's just like, we can't have any fucking slumps, Steph, you know, like, but it has to be like, I don't know, some kind of like insane shooting or something, you know, because it's like when Steph doesn't shoot like Steph, apparently he's having a bad year, even though it's better than everyone else. So um, I don't know, but I want it for him. But I'm sorry, I cut you off. What were you going to say? Oh, uh, no, you're fine. I was just saying, like, you you just look at you assess how all these guys are going to have their case. And like you just obviously made the case for Steph is far as the narrative and I do think that this whole Dre incident um could change like how he's approaching it right he could have been like all right I'm gonna just play well but I'm not necessarily going for MVP this year because I'm just playing for the postseason but now he's probably like yo we really we really have to like blitz teams you know to get over this thing and make sure it's in the past for us so he might start out the season on a mission like really trying to kill um, and if he does that, I and believe then... he doesn't want that third MVP. Like Steph knows all the legacy stuff. He knows yeah. what's needed. And also, I know it kills him that he shot under forty percent last season. So I feel like he's going to want to rectify that at a minimum. Yeah, yeah, and I think he will. I think he will. It's just you know, you know, he says like the the narrative thing, like whose narrative is the strongest, and who obviously regular season record is the best is definitely heavily considered in who gets the actual award. Um, what I was going to say about Luka and Jokic is like, they're just so durable because they're just like the way that they play and their body type, they just don't get injured a lot. 
So they're going to have the games played edge most likely on Steph. Um, I don't then, think Luca will have the games won though, but we could see. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think the Mavs are going to be like as bad as some people are projecting. But I just like I think, I think Jokic will have the games won, but I think, I think there will be a fatigue factor with Jokic. So I'm just not sure. Mm-hmm. And like you know, there's Giannis. We're, I mean, we didn't even I, talk about the people in the East. <laughs> yeah, Giannis is def- is is kind of like my preseason pick, just because the numbers are going to be ridiculous. The Bucks roster isn't as good as it was like two years ago, so it's going to cause it's going to Giannis going to have to do a lot more heavy lifting. Um, we don't know what Chris Middleton is going to look like when he finally gets back. So Giannis, I don't is gonna, want none of these dudes getting three before Steph gets three. I'm gonna be tight. I know. It's, it's I'm gonna be tight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the two dudes that got two in like with Steph, like they all competing for a third one. Um, and then you got Luca who doesn't have any, but he's he's kind of been like the preseason pick, like for and like, then I guess Embiid really is Embiid, gonna want one. Embiid has cried his way into a top three candidacy, regardless. <laughs> so like <laughs> I don't think he, like Dame with the all-star yeah, that's today. He damned his way, he Devin Booker and damed his way into MVP candidacy like every year now. Um, but I don't know if he's gonna play enough games. Like you essentially gotta play like 70 games to get MVP. And has he ever played 70? I don't know. I think he played like 68 last year or something. So I don't know if he's gonna play enough games. I know Giannis is probably gonna play enough games. Luka and Jokic are probably gonna play enough games, and the numbers are gonna be there. It just comes down to, like you said, the narrative team record and individual moments That's things like that head to head matchups the big games right we got to see how it plays out i think those That's are getting mvp get mvp and i kevin durant's going to try to do something this year cuz people have been ranking him i don't think kd's going to get mvp cuz i don't know like his durability hasn't seemed to be haven't hasn't seemed to be there but I, he has to feel disrespected cuz like i'd be like talking shit about kd but like I'm seeing people having him like seventh, eighth, like not even a top. Like, I'm like, come on. Y'all are like really being extra with this shit. Hey, look, <laughs> this is how I view it right here, right? You got your best offensive players in the league. Steph, Jokic, Luka. In my opinion, LeBron is still up there. I think his combination of scoring the ball and passing the ball is only paralleled by those three guys. So after that, you obviously have Giannis who has an argument for top two best player in the league, whatever the case may be, because what he can do on both ends of the floor, that's five players right there. Like, I, I don't I don't know if Katie's like for sure top five in my book, right? Um, I think he's lost a little bit in his rim pressure uh, game. So he's really relying on jump shooting and contested jump shooting in particular. What about uh, Kawhi? Like, I know that in terms of, like, he's not going to be in MVP conversations because of how he's managed and games played. But I think he's a top five player based on what he can do on the court when he plays. In the in the postseason, it's, it's undeniable what he can do. Like, how he he's one of the greatest, like, playoff risers in the history of the game, right? Just ridiculous scoring, volume, and efficiency. And then being able to, you know, early in his career, just be a complete lockdown, game-changing defender. Whereas now he kind of picks his spots and picks his moments where he really wants to lock in on defense. We'll see if he still has that in him on the defensive end coming off his injuries and with his age and with his offensive load 
But yeah, I mean, in a regular season, I wouldn't consider him a top five player just because of games played. He's you know he's not gonna play a ton of games, and yeah, he I'm doesn't take him over people like Luca. I'm sorry, fuck that. I mean, in a regular season, I gotta go Luca just because he's the yep. games played, and you know that's Why does that's that matter the- if in the postseason at the end of the day I'm gonna want Kawhi. Like to me, like it it all goes together. Like I don't really care. Like if I know that you're just being managed, then it's just like it's not because like you don't have the capability to do this in the regular season. It's just we gotta preserve you. I guess that's the way I look at it. So I don't really ding you because it's like, well, you're not playing the games. Okay, but when he does play, he's playing like that. So, you know, like you don't get extra credit to me because you played more of the games. Like, I just want to know like what you can actually do when you play the game. But that's me. That's how I look at it. No, I feel you. Um, But just as far as like Luka versus Kawhi, I mean, I think we can all agree Luka is one of the better playoff performers in the league already. Um, Offensively, what he does as just an engine, like just a tank. He's just going to get to the rim whenever he wants. He's going to score efficiently. He can hit step backs, obviously. And he's one of the best passers in the league. I think he's one of the top three or four best offensive players in the league. Uh, I agree with that. I'm still not comfortable moving him into top five above like some of those guys. But this year would be the year that would like change that for me. I need to see what Kawhi is like coming back. I need to see if Kevin Durant truly deserves his demotion. Like I love getting in on the he got swept and all of that. And, you know, but I, I don't know. I feel like he's being a little disrespected, but maybe it's time, you know, like same thing with LeBron. Like, I think I might have him like six, you know, um, I'm not mad at anyone who still has him five, but I mean, I I'm comfortable with like saying like Steph is above him, that Giannis is above him. Those are really like the only two that I'm like truly, truly comfortable saying like should be above. I think for three, four, five, six, like a number of guys can battle for that. And um, while I do consider certain people tier one guys, like I think there's cases to be made for some people. So like the way that people have just like elevated Embiid and Luca into those conversations, I'm like, ah, ah, like I'm not so sure that like Kawhi shouldn't still be there or, you know, um, that Braun really isn't still there kind of a thing. You know what I mean? And then- I do, I, I do still also give an edge to like the guys who have actually achieved the accolades. Like Jokic has the hardware in terms of MVPs, but all right. He has to not actually go and win something. And I get it's not all his fault. His teammates have been injured, but like all those other guys have like done it and like went to a finals and like we've seen them do it. For sure. Which is why I also have a problem with people kind of moving Embiid up there. I'm like, Embiid hasn't got out the second round. And, like, y'all are, like, I get that, like, a lot of the attention was on Ben Simmons, but, like, he actually did not perform the way he needed to either to close out some of those games. But we'll talk about that when we do our full, like, NBA preview of the other teams. But I just also, I'm not so quite yet there putting him in the top five, and I've seen him in a lot of people's top five. So, mm-hmm. anyway, it's, it's you know, it's interesting, but I'm going to say Steph for MVP. Um, I know everybody wants all those other guys, but Steph has to get that third MVP. He has to. It's been there. It's been at his fingertips and he's let it go. He needs to go secure that shit and get it. And like, you know, the 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 finals MVP shit is like done now. Who gives a shit about that? Like it should have never <laughs> mattered. So go get that fucking third MVP. He needs to get it, I think. Um 
But yeah, what what kind of just tell me the numbers you're expecting? Not like full, like across the board, but like Steph, Wiggins, Pool, and Clay. Like, what do you think the scoring load is going to look like split amongst the four of them? Um, I think Steph will be somewhere around 25, um, just because his minutes are not going to be what they were in the past. Um, if he, I mean, if he comes out and he's like, all right, it's 20, it's March of 2021 for the whole season. Like I'm going to shoot 45% from three again for an entire season. Then yeah, he probably averaged 30. Like, um, but I think it'll probably be somewhere because there's so much more balance in the offense that he'll probably be somewhere around 25, really efficient. Is well, Clay going to be having the most shot attempts again? I don't think so. Well, maybe. <laughs> it's Clay. Like, Clay's like, if I'm touching the ball, like, I'm shooting. The, like, I'm shooting it. Like, 90 times, like, nine times out of 10, I'm shooting. And then I'll pass other times. But, yeah, I think Steph will be somewhere around 25. And I think Wiggs, Clay, and Poole will all be within the, like, 16 to 20 range, 16 to 19. No um, other 20-point scorers on the team, you don't think? Like, a, for sure, like, one of them is going to average 20. I feel like Poole is going to average 20. I just feel like he's going to be on a mission. Yeah, but since he's not starting, I don't know if he's going to get enough minutes to average 20. Like, he would have to be oh, that's like fair. a ridiculous per-minute score, and he's going to be sharing the floor with other scores. I don't know if he, the opportunity is going to be him. You know what I mean? He would have to do what he did in the other preseason game, like score 18 in a quarter. Like He might score. be like 17, 18 around there. Yeah, I think it'll be like that. Like, he'll probably score around. Clay's uh, going to be 20. He ain't trying to have no season where he don't average 20. He even did it for, like, last year. He ain't trying to be under 20. Yeah. yeah, we'll, yeah. Remember he played through it, like, and he had to get, like, a certain amount to, like, officially average 20 for last season, and he did it. He pays attention to shit like that. <laughs> yeah, Clay's hilarious. He, yeah, he probably would average 20, to be honest, because he's going to get the minutes. Like, he's starting, he's going to get the minutes. Um, So, he, yeah, he probably average 20. I need Steph to be more like 28. He doesn't have to be a 30-point scorer, but I think for my MVP campaign, for my MVP campaign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean he walks in he walks in the 30 when he really wants to. So whatever he wants to average, he'll average it. Like like you said, if he if he comes into it like, all right, I'm 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 trying to show everybody like, all right, let me get this MVP. I'm gonna be the oldest. He'd probably be the oldest MVP. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's also gonna be like a storyline. Like all these things. Yeah. He has to do it. Yeah, I'm really I'm really still him. Like I already showed y'all in the in the finals, but I'm gonna show y'all again. With his MVP, which I should have gotten one of the last two years, probably. Um, and he can go out there and average 30 if he really wanted to. Um, and also, like I, the disrespect of putting him on second team last year. Second team, people ranking like Embiid and Luke and all these people above him and all these rankings. like Yeah, after- and this year, definitively, it seems to everybody be saying that um Luca is the best point guard in the league and then Steph is second, which is yeah, this- disrespectful to me. Yeah, this, I mean... I don't even think Luca would say that. That's the crazy thing. I give Luca a hard time, but he's actually, like, he's humble. Pretty- he's not humble, but, like, when he's... T- like, he respects the other players and, like, those who came before him. Right. And so I he- shouldn't give him a hard time, but I do, oh, well. But, like, disrespectful to put Luca above him. Yeah, I mean, and he's he's cut from that winner's 
cloth, right? Maybe his style of play um, may be different from other guys who have won significant things in the past, but he won a championship, I'm pretty sure, before he got to the NBA in the league that he was playing in. He knows that winning is – same thing with Giannis. He knows that winning is what separates the best from the next players, right? So he's he seems like the type of player that's not just going to anoint himself just because he has the numbers. You can tell that losing really, really gets to him. Um, so like you said, he's he's definitely respectful of the guys who earned the the titles that they got above him or, you know, like Steph and LeBron and all these other guys. Yeah. For sure. Well, Justin, this was like great. Like it's just so much with the Warriors. What do you see them in terms of like standings, finishing in the West, overall record? Um, and like, do you think they're gonna win it again this year and repeat? Oh, for sure. I think the only way they don't is if this you know, incident really, really creates a rift in the team, which is a possible injury or an injury. Um, but for basketball reasons, like I can't see any basketball. I'm knocking on wood, guys. No injuries. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see any basketball reasons why they don't repeat. Um, I think in the standings, they'll be top two. You know, whether or not they're at the actual number one seed will come down to a few random games throughout the regular season where somebody might hit a game winner on them or, you know, just how the regular season plays out because there's so many games. Um, I think net rating, they'll probably be the best team in the league. Um, so that'll be like the real testament to who the real best team in the league is, not necessarily their record. Um, and top if, five offense or top 10? Top five. I think it'll be top five offense and defense. Uh, I, I want to say they probably be the only team in the league that does that. There'll be a lot of teams that are top 10 in both. Not a lot, but there'll be a few teams that are top 10 in both Clippers, um, Boston, stuff like that. Uh, I don't know if Milwaukee will be. Yeah, Milwaukee probably will be top 10 in both, but we'll see. Um, Denver will probably be top 15 in, in defense and potentially the number one offense. We'll see. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I don't think there's a team that realistically, basketball-wise, can beat them four times in a series. So I, I got them as repeating. But the teams got- that we have challenging the most, is it – is it Denver for you or is it the Clippers or is it both of those uh, in the th- West? In we'll the get West. into our full preview later, but in the West, who in would the be West. their biggest challenge? You think just based on what we know of teams right now is constructed. It's probably the Clippers um, just because defensively you can, you can see how they can project to create a little bit of issue for how the Warriors like to run their offense typically um with the a lot of off ball stuff they can just switch a lot of things and it'll probably come down to Steph just cooking people and Jordan just cooking people one-on-one like they kind of did against Boston where it's like all right our off ball stuff is really not working so Steph just go cook them like it's going to come down to that and it's probably going to cook them because they don't really have a team that is equipped to guard a player like Steph or Jordan um I know there was a big thing on Twitter about me saying that they don't have anything for Jordan but we'll just have to wait and see um, but I, well, I Justin tends it, to be right, so I'm riding with Justin. If that's what he <laughs> says, that's what I, it is. I truly believe that they don't. Um, whereas, like we saw last year with the Celtics, unlike the Lakers, who think we have no one for AD, but I digress. That's, that's just completely ridiculous. But what I was saying, like against the Celtics, you can see Jordan kind of struggle because he had to play against Robert Williams a lot, and he was getting to the basket, but Robert Williams was just kind of like 
at the rim deterrent um they don't have that on the clippers right so whereas they they don't have guys that can guard quick guards other than like terrence may and they don't have a crazy rim protector there like robert williams so i think they don't have anything really for jordan and stuff so we'll see um denver is probably second under them but i do think denver if they matched up against the clippers people are kind of like oh clippers are the favorites like denver can beat the clippers we've seen them beat the clippers already right um and denver is better now than they were when they beat the clippers and the clippers are probably a little bit better too but they don't have anybody for Jokic. and if you don't have anybody for Jokic that can at least match up with him one-on-one then you are in a lot of trouble um so we'll see but who do they have for like Kawhi or even paul george i mean like I feel like what hurts Denver is their is their defense, right? Like we know they're going to be like an offensive machine, but I don't feel like they're going to be that great defensively. Middle of the pack up, kind of defense. Yeah, they'll be middle of the pack. I think only because there's going to be a lot of teams that are really, really good defensively, but I think they're going to be good enough to be able to beat uh, a few teams in a postseason. Um, relying on offense. Relying on offense mostly, for sure. That's their superpower, but I don't think their defense is that debilitating to the point where like they'll they aren't a conference finals or finals contender i think specifically against the warriors it's really bad because the warriors are going to put Jokic in a lot of like high pick and rolls and then what the warriors are able to do with the passing like after the ball is in motion that is really devastating to the, the to the nuggets um and obviously the warriors also have guys like loon and dre who can, you know, make it at least a little bit tougher on Jokic than other teams can. So I think the Warriors, as constructed, are a bad matchup, and they're better than the Nuggets, whereas the Clippers might be, like, on paper better than the Nuggets, but it's not a great matchup for them, you know. Like how Dallas isn't a great matchup for them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it took – it takes – Usually every time they see Dallas, it takes Kawhi having to put on his like San Antonio jersey and really try to lock up with Luca. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's people we we underrate how much matchups really play into the postseason. We typically just look at on paper how good a team really is and their net rating and stuff, but matchups make a big difference. I think that's why we saw Golden State go a little bit longer with Memphis last year than they really had to, just because the matchups is a little bit weird with Memphis. But right. Well, this was fun. I'm excited um, to see like what we're saying and how it's going to like actually play out for the season. I hope you guys enjoyed part one of our preseason preview. We focus on the dubs because, you know, that's what we do. We cover the dubs over here. But part two will be coming and um, we'll focus on the rest of the league and, 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 and what we expect from other teams around the association. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining me and Justin. We will be back in a few days with um, the rest of our preview. Take care, y'all. Until next time. Hey, guys. I'm back already. Um, Just me. A quick update because the minute that Justin and I finished recording, I checked Twitter because that's, you know, it's this time of the year. Just in general, that's what I do. I check to see what's going on. And I saw that Quindary and Lester were waived. And I know Justin and I spoke during the, the recording and we were we were thinking Lester might get waived, so but the shock is Quinn. I I called Justin immediately after, so I didn't ask him to come back on to 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 chat with me about it. But 
we're both really surprised that that happened. I'm really disappointed to see Quinn get waived. And um, I, from what I can see very early, quickly from the timeline, like people aren't too happy about Quinn being waived. So I think it's a sort of Warriors fans are feeling the same. Um, some are speculating theory because of like what happened with Dre. They may just want like another bigger body out there. Um, something that Quinn doesn't really offer, I suppose. Um, but yeah, we're all kind of surprised about Quinn. So really disappointed to see that. I hope that he ends up on a NBA roster because as you heard me and Justin talk earlier, we think he deserves and and um belongs on one. So Quinn, very sorry to see you go. Um, you became a fan favorite. Um, and so I really hope you make it somewhere else and it will be good and, and fruitful for you. But just wanted to update before we release this episode since I was able to catch it before <laughs> we set it up to release. So just a quick update, guys. No more Quindary. So the two two-way roster spots are are determined and and my guess and and Justin's guess is that those are probably going to end up going to Lamb and Spencer but we'll see so let's see by the time when we do part two of our full NBA preview if that's changed all right guys for real this time until next time take care um download subscribe you know everything that you need to do tell people about the show all of that but until next time part two coming on Monday. All right. Bye.